And now, live from Level 5 Productions on the island of Milleronia, it's The Larry Miller Show! Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. America, and everyone who wants a brand new pool. Hi, folks, and welcome back to The Larry Miller Show. I'm Larry Miller, but in a way, aren't we all? And boy, oh boy, if there's ever been a prettier day here on Milleronia, I have yet to order it. Well, that's what I guess it comes down to. I control the weather, but you know... But it was just gorgeous today, and I love it here so much. And Colonel Jeff loves coming out in his private plane now that he got promoted to by me. And uh, he deserves it. He deserves two private planes, by the way, one foot on each one. And uh, holding on to to the reins there like two horses in a circus. Actually, you couldn't do that, could you, I guess? (laughs) Well... Once. You could do it once. Anyway, it's it's just gorgeous here. And that music, as you know, makes me so happy. I just love it. It's the uh it's the Billy Wilder Orchestra and the Elsa Lanchester Dancers, featuring boy tenor Brad Simpson asking the musical question At any time during his tenure as manager of the Yankees, did Casey Stengel think that Salmonella was the name of one of his players? First of all, I thought it was. And uh, maybe he did, too, the way he pronounced things. That's a good question, Brad. But, you know, Casey Stengel was brilliant. Oh, I love the guy. And in so many ways, boy, did he know baseball. And there's a story this reminded me of. That's a true story. That uh, in 1952, Casey Stengel and... His center fielder, Mickey Mantle, were called down to Washington, D.C. to testify for the HUAC, the committee, the House Un-American Activities Committee, because they wanted to find out about communist influence in baseball. Now, there's no... I know even just saying that sounds, well, ridiculous, but uh, whatever happened with that committee... This way or that way. That was one where they... No, there's no... What group could you pick that... (laughs) It's just preposterous. But they found out that uh, Stengel and Mantle would come down. It was during the baseball season, so they could, well, take the train down from New York to Washington. And everybody there was, understandably, they were thrilled. Casey Stengel and Mickey Mantle are coming down here. They could take pictures with them and... For their kids and grandkids, and they could sign baseballs and just, well, the whole thing sounded great. Heck, I'd go there. And uh, you know what? They were sitting there, and I heard this, by the way. The reason I know it's true, NPR was uh, playing things. Oh, one year, it was the anniversary of something or other. And this is 10 or 15 years ago. And they played the testimony of Stengel and Mantle in front of that committee. And... (laughs) (laughs) Stengel spoke in such a great way all the time. He had such a specific personal way of speaking, of turning words. Uh, 
All the reporters called it Stengalese. And that wasn't an insult. It was a compliment. They thought, well, how do you like that? Get a load. This guy really speaks that way. But, you know, you just let him go. He's He was brilliant. He knew everything about the game and knew everything how to manage. And, oh. So they asked him this Stengel and Mantle sitting at, and they're in the whole committee room there. They're sitting at the the long table with the green felt cover and the microphone. And, of course, all the uh, congressmen were sitting, uh, well, at their table that always a little higher there with, well, about 20 fellows sitting there and their long table and their green felt. And they said, they asked uh, Stengel about communist influence in baseball. And he starts to speak. And I heard this, the whole thing. And he, uh, just about 10, 12 words about there's no communist influence in baseball, in case you were wondering. But he did about 10, 12 words on uh, that and then just started, you know, talking about baseball and what what you need for a good team. And, you know, that uh, really the best way to do it is to have a, a good team with good coaches. Folks, he spoke for another 10 minutes on baseball. And everyone was quiet and listening. You just know these fellows on the on the committee looking at each other during it going, what in the world is this? And the other guy shrugs. They don't know. He's going on and on and just... Wonderful, Casey Stengel about baseball, and uh, for the last five minutes, he got to his favorite topic, the farm team and the farm system, and that was his big uh, theory and belief that uh, you can't have a good baseball team without a good farm system, and he talked that in and out and, you know, told everybody what was what, and then he just stopped, meaning he didn't end. There was no ending. He just stopped, stopped speaking. And that was about 10, 12 minutes. And in a, in a really smart move, they, well, they just asked Mantle the same question. And he leaned in and said, well, I agree with everything Coach Stengel said. <laughs> now, if that's not a great American moment, because they, look, the Yankees were playing the next day back in New York. And so now it's only about 11.30, quarter to 12, and in Washington there. And, well, they could spend some time and take photos in the room there, the same room, you know, with uh, all the congressmen taking turns standing next to them or walking their grandkids in and signing a few baseballs. And then they uh, could ask the congressman, uh, hey, what's a good steak place around there? Well, you know these guys are going to know that. And everyone's going to have a different opinion. Oh, you got to go to this place. This is terrific. In fact, I'll call them right now. And I'll get your reservation right now. As if, of course, Mickey Mandel and Casey Stengel would need a reservation anywhere. But that was nice of them to say, all right, I'll get your reservation. And they did. They went over to this, well, a great steak place right in Washington. And, well, of course, the place went nuts. Can you imagine that? Come on. And they sat down and... Uh, had a couple of drinks and just a couple and then had a you know a nice steak for a big lunch and then had uh, another couple of drinks uh 30 or or 35 and that which they were, they were pretty good at and then 
Ultimately, they went back to the hotel and just catch a night's sleep. Instead of getting back to New York that afternoon or that night, they thought, the heck with it, you know what? And uh, they went to the hotel bar and had a few more, and then went up to their rooms and sacked out and just hit it. And that was pretty good. And then the next day they woke up, took a shower, and got on the train and went to play baseball. But you know what? It's a good question, Brad. Uh, at any time during his tenure as manager of the Yankees, did Casey Stengel think that Salmonella was the name of one of his players? I'll bet he did. But I hope you also liked that story, and it's true. I heard the whole thing, and I had a smile on my face the whole time. There is now, uh, through the farm system, a major league control of the professional occupation of baseball playing. Is that a correct summary? Well, you have uh, that... Uh from the standpoint of what you've been reading, you've got that down very good. I said, just like I uh, made a talk not long ago, and I told them all when they was drinking and they invited me in, I said, you ought to be home. You men are not making enough money. You can't drink like that. They said, this is a holiday for the Shell Oil Company. And I said, why is it a holiday? They said, we did something great for three years. And we are given two days off for the, to watch the Yankees play the White Sox. But they were mostly White Sox rooters. I said, well, you're not doing right. I said, you can't take those drinks and all, even on your holidays. You ought to be home and raising more children because the big league clubs now give you 100000 for a bonus to go into baseball. <laughs> and by the way, I don't happen to have any children, but I wish Mrs. Stengel and I had eight. I'd like to put them in on that bonus rule. <laughs> That, by the way, was, God bless him, the great Casey Stengel. And you just imagine, he was as charming as could be. And then when he got talking on a topic, though, he would go around this way and around that way, and you wouldn't know what the heck was going on, but you didn't need to. If you love him, you just sit there with a big smile on your face the way I did during those hearings and just... Say, how do you like that? I get to hear this right now. And by Amazon. That's right, Amazon. Boy, I wish they had a baseball team too, because this is, well, one of my favorite companies. Amazon, you can get anything in the world you want, anything you can possibly think of from Amazon, except, of course, an actual Amazon. You can't get one of them. In any case, if you want... Call Amazon for anything. And you don't have to, by the way, you can go through your computer, your your iPhone, anything at all. You can get to Amazon that way, but don't do that. That's a waste of time. Go to our website. We'll get you there. Our, our website, which is LarryMillerPodcast.com. Who's on the mountain? Tom Mix. <laughs> standpoint of what you've been reading, you've got that down very good. <laughs> Just wanted to put Casey back into old professor. And uh, <laughs> you've got that down pretty good. Uh, 
in any case, go to our website, and we have a banner that says Amazon. You click that. That's all you have to do, and we'll get you there. You click our banner and go lay yourself down in your lazy boy chair and kick it back. You won't even need a sandwich or a beer with that. Just put a magazine over your face and catch a great nap. And that brings me to my favorite part of the show, the joke of the week. I love this one. This joke has been a favorite of mine for a long time, and the colonel likes it too, and uh, I hope you guys do too. One beautiful afternoon in the middle of Central Park in New York, on a park bench, there's a priest sitting next to a rabbi, and they both have their hats upturned on their laps, and they're collecting for their congregations. And all day long, uh, fellows come over, and they walk over to the priest, and they kneel down, and the priest blesses them, and they uh, thank you, Father, and they, they make the sign of the cross also, and they and they put some money in the hat for the priest. And then they take a, a couple of steps over to the rabbi and spit in his hat. And this is all day long. The priest is making, well, a fortune. And then they all just walk over to the rabbi, spit in the rabbi's hat. And... All day, and after the whole day, now it's like three thirty, quarter to four in the afternoon, and a fella comes up from another part of the the, the the park there and says to both of them, "Excuse me, gentlemen, father and rabbi, I, I I've seen you all day sitting here like this, and if you don't mind my saying, rabbi, you don't have to be here like this and take this kind of abuse. The park is full of benches like this. Go take one of those." And then you won't have to be, well, treated this way. And the rabbi turns to the priest and says, Hey, Moshe, get a load of this guy telling us our business. <laughs> I love that joke. <laughs> this is the way they, they planned it. And you get the one guy, a priest's outfit, and you slick his hair back, and he looks like a handsome priest. And then the other guy sits there with his beard and his black suit, and everyone spits in his hat. But, well, they make a pretty good buck that way to from everything the priest collects. Anyway, I hope you like that joke. It's a good one. It's funny. And as always, pass it along. If you like it, tell it. And keep a good joke going. It's like great music. A good joke should always be around for a long time. And that brings me to my second favorite part of the show, The Poetry Corner. <laughs> this is a fine poem by the great Robert Burns, who was a Scottish poet from... 1759 to 1796 he lived. He was the son of a poverty-stricken farmer. Thus, he is sometimes called the Plowman Poet. Plus, you know him every year because he wrote Old Lang Syne. A great poet and a great thinker. And this is a good one. It's called My Hearts in the Highlands by Robert Burns. 
farewell to the highlands, farewell to the north, the birthplace of valor, the country of worth. Wherever I wander, wherever I rove, the hills of the highlands forever I love. My heart's in the highlands, my heart is not here. My heart's in the highlands, a chasin the deer, a chasin the wild deer, and following the roe. My heart's in the highlands, wherever I go. Farewell to the mountains high covered with snow. Farewell to the straiths and green valleys below. Farewell to the forests and wild hanging woods. Farewell to the torrents and loud-pouring floods. My heart's in the highlands, my heart is not here. My heart's in the highlands, a chase in the deer, a chase in the wild deer, and following the roe. My heart's in the highlands, wherever I go. Isn't that lovely? And uh, Colonel Jeff and I were just talking briefly before the show that... Uh, it reminds me and him also, we all, you, I, we, we all don't feel familiar with the wild country or the country out there, out anywhere, the way these folks did hundreds and hundreds of years ago, where they not only knew it, they lived it. So when they thought with sentiment about places, they thought, oh, the highlands, the mountains, and the forests, with the wild hanging woods. This was very meaningful to them. They didn't know, most of them, they didn't know what cities were. I think, don't they have a church in that city? They, a lot of the people just knew what the country was, and that was good enough for them. So, My Heart's in the Highland by Robert Burns. And that brings me to my third favorite part of the show... M-M-M, the magic movie moment. Oh, and this is a terrific movie. And that's the, this is why I mentioned in the beginning of the show the great Billy Wilder and, oh, Elsa Lanchester. What a fabulous actress. And this movie, Witness for the Prosecution. From 1957. It's a great movie, folks. Written and directed by Billy Wilder. Starring Tyrone Power, Marlena Dietrich, Charles Lawton, Elsa Lanchester, and so many others. Oh, it's a great movie about a trial in England, post-World War II, and how these folks get by, and there is a surprise after surprise after surprise. It's awfully well-written and awfully well-made. And my magic movie moment from it, and there are a lot of them in this movie, but a scene I kept thinking of was when Charles Lawton, and he's, well, he plays the lawyer, the big defense lawyer, and he's always thinking and he's always plotting, and he gets a call to meet in the middle of the trial, by the way, while this trial is going on. And he gets a call to meet, oh, a low cockney woman in an ale and oyster place. And she says, come on down now. And she's gonna, she has surprising information that can help him defend his client, uh, Leonard Vole, who was, of course, Tyrone Power. Now, he goes down and he sees this woman. Oh, she's great. She's a good actress. And 
Lawton pays her and give her, pays her off and and says, all right, let's hear it. And she tells him in her thick Cockney accent something very valuable. And the whole scene seems, well, weird and creepy, but we know it's important. And we find out later that woman was played by Marlena Dietrich. She was acting in the movie and was pretending to be this woman. She had a different colored hair on and a wig and an outfit and her her posture and everything she did. It's another case of, boy, this is a great actress. She really was that woman in the movie. She really was, and with that Cockney accent, ooh, fantastic. That movie is great, folks. Witness for the prosecution. If you've seen it, see it again. If you've never seen it, you'll be glad you did. And when that scene comes up, you only have a feeling yourself of, ooh, that's acting. But, folks, just a few days ago, I missed the summer solstice. Now, that's the longest day of the year, and it was on uh, the 24th of June this year. And every year I plan, well, it's the longest day of the year. I want to see it. I want to say, how do you like that? And tell my kids and tell my wife and tell the doggies, too. You know what? This is the longest day of the year, and I've never hit it. I miss it every year, and I think of it. Two days, five days later, and it, ah, missed it again. But it's not, it doesn't make me mad. It just makes me smile and say, how do you like that? That's life. There you go. I could put up giant pieces of oak tag with magic marker that say, don't miss the solstice. And, of course, there's one in December, the winter solstice. That's the shortest day of the year. And I like them just that way. I like these things. I like knowing these things. I'm glad we have these things. Hey, today is this. I like that a lot. And one of these days, yes, in the next, I know, well, I'd like to live another 700 years. Maybe I'll make it, or maybe 600. But you know what, folks? One of these years, I'm going to remember that summer solstice, and I'll tell everyone in my family and all the dogs, and I'll tell every one of you, hey, take a look outside tonight and enjoy it. It's the longest day of the year. There are things you can't get fixed. I, I got my phone fixed today over at Apple. And uh, you know what? It, my phone, I've probably said this before. I'm kind of an ignoramus with phones. Uh, I don't know how to work I don't do anything with it. I don't know how to do anything with it. I don't know how to cancel things. But I was using it today. I made a couple of calls before noon. And uh, then suddenly, you know, just a little afternoon, well, the phone died. It was dead. It went off. It wouldn't go back on. It wouldn't do anything. It did Nothing happened when I plugged it into charge. I thought, well, I had a charge anyway, though. I don't, I don't know what happened here. And I said to, uh, well, my wife and... You know, the kids, well, you, I'm going to head out now. I'm going to go to the mall and go to the Apple store there and find out what's what. And sure enough, if I if I if if it's broken and it's just a hunk of plastic now, 
I'll have to get another one. I didn't want to get a... My wife said, don't get one of the new ones. They're a gillion dollars, you know, and just... You don't have to get one of those. I said, yeah, you're right. You know what? And I went to the mall there, and I walked through Bloomingdale's the way I always do in that mall. I can park. It's on the second floor, and there are doors that were right there, nice giant glass doors that go into Bloomingdale's because the Apple store is just right outside. As you go into the mall there, you walk through Bloomingdale's, and you go into the mall, and the Apple store is just there on the left, and it has all the folks in it. And by the way, something kind of funny happened when, as I'm walking through the store, well, I wanted to use the restroom in Bloomingdale's there, and I walked in, and it's always, it's in a woman's department there, and of course, there's the ladies' room, the door, and then about, oh, 15 feet to the right is the men's room, and there was a nice woman sitting on the uh, three of the seats they have in between them there. She looked uh, like a regular woman, 60, 65 years old, sitting there in a in a nice dress and waiting for, I guess, her husband. And I turned, I smiled at her and nodded, and she smiled at me and nodded. And I turned, and there was a maid with one of those big carts with the, well, with the trash can in the middle and all the cleansers outside. And she was sort of, well, not blocking the way, but she was waiting, I guess, for a chance to go into the men's room there and do that place. And uh, the woman I had smiled at, the woman sitting on the chairs, just said, yes, I think she's the guard, that she doesn't want to have certain people, too many people, go into the men's room there. And she was funny when she said that. And I smiled and I laughed. And I said, and she said, one of those reflexive things, she just said, oh, sorry. And I said, don't say that. Don't ever say that. Look what you just did. You made a good joke, a great joke. And you know what? You and I had a good joke moment there. Don't ever be sorry for that. If you, you're funny, right? And she said, "Well, I, I like to be." And uh, I said, "You are." And I, I looked at her and smiled and said, "Trust me, I know." And I said, "Don't ever be embarrassed about that, and don't ever stop doing it. And if someone doesn't like it, they're wrong, and you're right." And she looked me right in the eye, and I looked her right in the eye, and she said. Thank you. That's awfully nice. And I said, you're welcome. And then I, well, I kind of sidewinded, walked by the maid with the cart and into the, uh, well, into the men's room. And I did what people do in the men's room and washed my hands and came back out. And the lady was right there and uh, she, her husband was coming over to, to, to pick her up. And as she stood up, I just walked back over to her and said, you know, you were right. That that place does need a guard. It's fantastic. It's the it's the best men's room I've ever seen in my life. And I've been all over the place. This is the greatest. And she said, really? And I said, no, I'm joking too. See, this is you and me just joking together. And we'll always share that. Always share that with someone. Find a friend who likes jokes too. And never stop doing it. And... You know, that at that point, well, I walked back through the rest of Bloomingdale's and went to the Apple store and walked in there. I normally don't like uh, specialty stores like that. I don't know about you, but they, well, they're always packed. And you notice things like, at least to me, I noticed today that people in an Apple phone store are either really, really fat or really, really skinny. And... 
There didn't seem to be anyone in the middle. And I know, look, I'm trying to lose weight, but I don't mean 10, 20 pounds overweight. I mean, oh, come on. And that's fine. It just makes you smile. How do you like that? And there were three fellas with the were wearing Apple shirts, and they were both, say, about 40, I guess, these guys. And I walked over, and they looked at me and smiled, and I said, well, you guys are all wearing the right shirts. I guess you can help me. And they smiled and, and laughed, and I just said, uh, I said to this one guy, you know, when I had handed him my phone, and I said, doesn't work. You know what? Uh, maybe you can help me here and tell me if what is wrong or if anything's wrong or if you can fix it. And he lit it, you know, he looked at it and touched it and held it up and looked at it that way and this way and obviously knew what he was doing and then turned the switch and pressed it that turns back on again. Sure enough, the apple just comes up on the screen and it turned on. And then he pushed the bottom button to get it on fully. And I said, get out of here. I said, and I just told him it. I used it this morning, but then it went just went off, and he smiled and said, you know what? I know. This happens to people sometimes, not often, very rarely, but it happens, and the thing just goes off and won't come on again. And sometimes you just wait a little bit, and then just like right now, you turn it on again, and it comes on again. And uh, and I said, wow, does that? And, and he said, uh, but it should be fine now. You know what? I could take it in the back, and one of the uh, one of the tech guys can run it through a checklist, you know, and see if this is that or what's wrong or what's up and what's down. And I looked at him and said, uh, would you do that if this was your phone? And he smiled again and said, no, I wouldn't. You know what? It should be fine. And, uh, well, if it goes wrong again or if something else happens, you just come back here and ask for me. And I said, you've got a deal. I said, get a load of you. You've done your good deed for the day. And I went out there and went to the food court. This whole thing had taken an apple. This whole thing had taken nothing, no more than three minutes, four minutes. And my phone was working. And then just before, of course, you know, the colonel comes over and we, well, we do our show that we love very much and we love making for you. And I said, well, why don't I get a bite to eat at the food court? And I don't know about where you live, but the food places, you know, are now getting kind of fancy. Well, they're just small food places. I mean, they have a Burger King there, too. And they're not big places, but it's, you know, a food court. And there was one that I saw that really caught my eye instantly. And it was Kebab Place. And it was something, you know, they always have, names are a little silly, Mr. Kebab or something like that. But that's fine. And I said, boy, that looked good on those plates and the, and the, and the photo pictures they had up on the, on the top there. And I walked over, and, but it was crowded. There were eight or ten people online just waiting to order. And there were another four or five people walking along with their trays. And I thought, eh, I don't want, to, don't want to invest a half hour just to get the stuff. And I just turned to my right, and there was another place that was empty. Great Cons was the name. And uh, I don't mean con man, like like C-O-N-S. I mean the con, K-H-A-N apostrophe S. The Great Cons. 
And, uh, well, it wasn't so great today because there was no one there. I mean, zero people there. And the place right next to it, the kebab place, was packed. So I went over to the, well, great cons. And they had two fellows behind the counters there, and they smiled. Hi, how are you? And the guy said, do you know what you want? And I said, you know what? I don't. Do me a favor. Help me out here. What do I look? There was one sign that said, uh, Mongolian barbecue. I said, is that good? Well, I'd like that. And he said, well, what do you like? And I said, uh, you know what? If you like it, I'll like it. He said, that's, I think that's the one for you. And he gave me a bowl. See, you make it yourself. And I'm, normally I don't like that. But, you know, you uh, they in front of you, they can lift the glass. And all the bins are there with things to put in the bowl. And then they'll cook it up for you. So I... I took a few pieces of meat and put those in there, and they're just thin things. And he said to me, you can take more if you like. And I said, no, oh, that's plenty. And I took a couple other things of, what did they have, olives and uh, uh, scallions. So you just take a spoonful. And it was a very relaxed way to do it. Normally, I don't like, you feel you're being pushed or you feel you're holding someone up. But the, again, the place is empty. So... I did that. And the little corn cobs, the baby corn, you know those, but they didn't have the whole cob, which is, what, three inches long. They had pieces of that. They chopped the corn up. So each one is just a, each bite is just a half inch long. And then, what did they have? A couple other things I took. And then they have a bin of the spaghetti-ish, whatever it is that apparently the great Khan loved. And they put a big flat grill they have just right behind the counter. It's a big circle and a big flat thing. And they put all the food on it and food it up, cook it up, con it up. And I paid the guy and got a Coke with it. Anything to drink? Yes, I'd like a Coke, please. And I always feel, I told the colonel, I always feel a little guilty saying that. I probably shouldn't have it, but I really wanted one. And I thought... The great Khan would want me to have one, too. And I went over and got the the bowl. The guy puts it all, his partner behind the counter there, uh, in one of those the classic white plastic holder that we've all had. You know, it's in a square, and the top just bends back, and you can clip it on there. And he put it on a tray, and I took the tray and a plastic fork and a couple of napkins, and... One of those, as you take the plastic fork, you think, well, what's wrong with this? And uh, then the guy handed me the Coke and a straw, and I I paid him, and that I said, how do you like that? Okay, thank you. Went over, sat down, and all mall food courts are the same in this way. Wherever you live, all mall food courts have babies crying and kids running around and chasing each other and and screaming and laughing and, uh, and that's, you know that's the way it is if you don't like it you know uh, go to mcdonald's but uh, just go away because that's the way the food court is and that was fine with me and i just uh, i wasn't even that hungry but i thought well i have it here and i i just wanted a piece or two of the meat and i couldn't find any i don't know what happened there or whether this is sort of like a, a gambling casino that's that's crooked where they have a hole in the middle of the grill and all the good food just kind of slides down there and they put it out front again. 
But of course not. And I ate that. I had a few forkfuls and you know what? And then just tossed the rest because that's plenty for a dinner before you do a show. And then I got up to walk and back out toward where I came. And I walked past a place called Wetzel's Pretzels. You've all seen that. I love that name because I think it's clever. I think it's, you know, it's like, if you name, it's like Betty's Spaghetti. You know, what? why not? You know, why not? And I, I looked at Wetzel's Pretzels and they had, in the case there, they had a, I saw a pretzel with salt on it. The big things, the big pretzels. Just as I remember being a kid, I had... When my mom and I and my sister would go to the mall when I was a kid, those were good pretzels, those salty pretzels, the big ones, 10 cents a piece and three for a quarter. And there were three of us, so we'd always get three for a quarter. And we thought, that was a great deal. That's a nickel off. may not sound like much, but that's a great deal. And I, so I, yes, I said, let me have one of those, please. And it was uh, only $4.85, which is Oh, there you go. That's that's life again. All right, there you go. But I thought, well, that's a lot for a pretzel with salt on it. Ten, ten cents when I was a kid, but all right. And I walked with it away and just headed back first to the Apple store again, the Apple phone place. And I took a couple of bites of the Wetzel's pretzel, and it was okay. It was just all right. I had just tossed the money away. But all right. And then I just you know, curled the bag up around the pretzel again and tossed that away too, went back in. And uh, that salesman I had, because I was looking for him. And uh, he looked at me and smiled and said, didn't break again, did it? And I, that was pretty funny. And I, I laughed and said, yeah, can you imagine that, by the way? Boy, wouldn't that be, hey, now it's out again. But I said, do me a favor, if you don't mind, if anything happens with this or I have any questions, would you mind if I called you? Can you give me your card? And he said, sure, hold on. And he just walked in to the back and got one of the came out with one of the store cards and wrote his name down on it, uh, which, uh, just for the record, is a name I couldn't pronounce. But that's fine. I don't care. You know, I wanted to say, well, thank you, blank, you know, nice to meet you. And he was an awfully nice guy and still is. And I said, well, thank you, Arden. You know, I tried to kind of muttered it. And, and well, that you realize when you go back through there and say thanks and shake hands and then walk back through Bloomingdale's to where you parked, that's a nice moment. Things went well, not just because the phone is fine, but that helps. You found the place. You found a good parking spot. You know where to go. You met someone who knew what to do. And you had a bite to eat. What What was it? Who knows? But then you go back and you get the guy's card. And you go back and you drive home. And that's part of what forms a good day. Things go well. You get something to eat. You can't find, you can't find the meat. That's fine. Who cares? When it's all going well and you get your phone fixed and then you go back home and see the people you love, folks, there are no better days than that. I know it and you know it because we know the same things 
Homer is Homer, and Pluto is a planet. So remember, folks, as always, if you walked out of bed today and had a job to go to and a home to come back to and someone there who cares about you, folks, the game's over and you've won. Don't forget that. And have some gooey food. We'll see you here next time. Thank you again. That was Charlie and his little cabaret of 15 minutes of fun and song. And we'll be back on the air, as always, every Wednesday and Saturday, won't we, Charlie? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. All right.